Hi, this is Steve Springer. You're listening to Worshiping God, God's Way. In general, people like finding out about past ancestors that lived long ago. They like digging into that history and finding out who they were. Like what great-great-grandparents did when they were alive or where they lived or who they were. I've seen a picture of my grandfather who was standing in Ellis Island just having passed through the customs house after World War I. He was young, early 20s. He looked scared. He was penniless. I know that. Seeing America for the very first time, I can't imagine how he felt, but I could see the look on his face, and it really told me something. But some people don't want to know about their past or even be reminded of it. For whatever reason, it causes pain, separation, rejection in some cases, and it can make people very angry when they find out. But in this episode, which is episode 16, we're looking at Acts 7, and we're going to talk about an ancestry that affects all of us. In Acts 7, Stephen, who is about to be martyred, tells the history of worship, and he delivers it to the Israelites, to the Hebrews, to the Jewish community. But before listening to this podcast, if you could, if you could go back and review one or two of the podcasts that describe the history of worship, you know, where, when it was discovered and when it originated, that would help you understand a little bit of what we're saying. Because when I talk about worship, it's specific. Even to know the words about worship, the names uh, of the people who worshiped and the books that they're in, that does help us to understand history. And Paul, for instance, knew those things, it says in Acts 18. But Stephen, at this moment in Acts 7, he is in a very peculiar place. It's a dire moment. But he stops the crowd who is aggressively coming after him, and he gives a synopsis. It's a glimpse of biblical history in his own defense before the council that was bringing these false charges against him. And he starts off by talking about Abraham's father, the day when God draws the line between worshiping idols, which is polytheistic, and bowing down before him, the one and only God, which is the monotheism that we believe. But Stephen doesn't know about the four to 5,000 years prior to Abraham's father, encountering the and leading up to the Canaanite relationships between Hebrews. He doesn't talk about that. He doesn't talk about the history of the gods of the city of Ugarit, because he doesn't know that that city even existed. You know, where all the languages were recorded and ancient Near Eastern history gets its start. We've discovered that in in 1929, and we know a lot about it now, but Stephen didn't have any of that information. The beginning place of worship on the earth and the reason why God separated Abraham from his past Canaanite ancestors, that's where Stephen starts. He starts to tell the story of Abraham, they know that story, Isaac and Jacob, all of us know that story. He talks about the wisdom of Pharaoh and the king of Egypt and how that all plays into Abraham's relationship with them and how Abraham wouldn't worship their gods, he would only worship one. 
And then he goes and recalls the history of Moses, the wonders and the signs, and the 40 years in the wilderness. He explains who Moses was, how he was trained, and all the wisdom of the Egyptians, how powerful he was with words and with his deeds. And then after that, Stephen goes into a very sensitive place. He starts talking about what the Israelites said to Aaron. The people demanded Aaron to make them copies of their past gods. And the excuse was that Moses had gone to the mountain, but he wasn't coming back. Their relationship with God depended on their relationship with Moses. Like That's like me saying my relationship with God depends on following a charismatic leader. Or it sounds like you could say, well, Jesus isn't coming back. So let's just go do what we want to do because it's been a long time, you know, thousands of years. He hasn't come back yet. So forget all of that. You know, these gods that are from the ancient past, the ones that Israel's wanting Aaron to make, one of them is Baal. You know, Baal becomes Satan in the Old Testament and he continues throughout the books of the Bible. And it comes from a time that Stephen doesn't remember, but he knows that Satan's real. You know, Bell is still active today. He's living. He's affecting people on the earth today. You can see that through the New Testament. Stephen does something really great here. The next thing he says, he talks about the glorious days. He reminds them of the time that they were doing things righteously. When David built that tabernacle of David, had the Ark of the Covenant come in and the God's presence was there. He talks about Solomon's temple. You know, Josephus has a great commentary on Solomon's temple, describing Solomon's experience in God's presence. And the bottom line of it really was saying that he was in his presence, he was bowing on the floor, worshiping for hours. But then Stephen brings up the point that they went back and they worshiped ancient gods. Then because of that, God sends them into diaspora, into exile. And it says he pushed them out beyond Babylon. Babylon was a bad place, but he pushed them even further than that. Stephen reminds the people of God's ancient words, a temple not made with hands, heaven being his throne, the earth a footstool, which is a military reference to victory. He starts explaining these things to them. And some of the religious leaders there, they understood what he was saying. A lot of the people were probably thinking, well, where did he get that? And other people were going, man, I've heard about this before. But either way, it was ruffling their feathers. And Stephen looks at them and says, you stiff-necked people. We've heard that before. He said, you always resist the Holy Spirit. That's what he says. Like your ancient fathers, he said, and you're doing the same thing. Your grandfathers killed prophets, and so are you. He even encounters that statement that says, then the angels spoke to them about the laws and the commandments. All of your great-great-great-grandparents, they heard angels speaking to them about bowing down before godless gods. In the New Testament, angels come to men saying, hey, don't bow down to us, bow down to God. Paul says every knee is going to bow. And these people, when they're listening to this, you've got to picture them becoming so furious that they grind their teeth. But Stephen experiences something. He experiences at a moment the theophany of God. He looks up into the heavens and he sees Jesus there. And even though he's seeing that in that moment, 
a loud voice is coming from the people and they're covering in their ears and they all rush together at him and they drag him out and they're going to take him out and they're going to stone him. Jesus is watching all this, by the way. All of heaven is watching this. And Stephen falls to his knees. He's crying out and just looking up into heaven and saying, Lord Jesus, just receive my spirit. But also, Lord, don't hold this against them. And he falls to his knees and then he falls asleep. When we read this, we see our own ancient past. We also see our present and what we should be doing now. We also can see our future, what we will be doing when he comes. Following the Holy Spirit is key. Stephen makes a comment about that. But when a group or an individual exclude the Holy Spirit, as it is described in the Scripture, Old and New Testament, they will, like the Hebrews, find themselves in a bad place, worshiping wrong things and worshiping the wrong way. And there is a difference They'll find themselves fighting against all that God is. See God's comments in that scripture about Israel. Now, Stephen told the ancient story of worship. However, as he was being stoned, when he fell to his knees, he wasn't worshiping before he fell asleep and joined his ancestors in the grave sleeping. You have to see First Thessalonians about that. I used to think that he was just bowing down one last time, but that wasn't right. Stephen was committing himself. He was surrendering. He was sinking down as his life left him. Stephen wasn't worshiping at the end of his life. He was releasing himself. Jesus describes worship as prosukneo, bowing down as a dog licks the master's hand. That's in John 4. He says that 11 times. The ancient ancestors that Stephen was talking about, they knew worship as shaha, bowing face down as if having the arrogance kicked out of you, which is a portion of the Ugritic word that they borrowed to describe the worship. Those living in the first century around Jesus' time understood the meaning of the word worship in the way Jesus explains it in John 4. Today, some of us still bow down worshiping like our distant ancestors did and like Jesus did. The story Stephen tells, the history of worship, is our story as well. God calls us to a one-God relationship. From Genesis to Revelations, he explains to us what worship means to him and what it is in heaven. He also sends his son, who teaches it in modern-day words, Hebrew, common Greek, English, and so on, into other languages. It's all there. But still, some of us disagree, and we say no, and we do it our own way. We carry these little things that where smoke comes up, and it's like incense of prayers. We put things around our necks that we count. We go to a place where we have our favorite songs and our favorite teachers. We do things a specific way that is acceptable to us because we like what we're seeing, we like what we're hearing. We basically worship our own way by our own rules. And that's similar to what Stephen was saying to the Hebrews, to the nations of Israel. Others 
hear his voice, choosing his way. They exclude everything that is in the pathway. They clear it out and they choose only him, bowing before him only. Someday, one of my great-great-grandkids, perhaps, they might do an ancestry search. They might look for their past ancestors. If they do, I hope that my story will be one that clearly reveals a life of a true worshiper, one who worshiped God God's way. Worship.